Hi, friends. Welcome to the premiere episode of Red Dead Radio, your weekly Red Dead Redemption podcast. I'm your host, Jared Petty, and today our wild, wild guest... Alana, hi. Yeah, every week we're going straight to the wild, wild guest. <laughs> but before we go there, we're going to talk together first about how Westerns influence Red Dead Redemption and why that's important to enjoying the game. Then we're going to talk about how I'm going to play through Red Dead all the way through again and what's going on there, as well as some big Red Dead news from the uh, trailer that just broke. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. And talk some Westworld yeah. after that? Okay. Yeah. Love me some of that. It's a very good show. And uh, then perhaps a little bit of uh, off-course rambling there at the end in its own special segment. If you enjoy the show, I hope you go to iTunes uh, as soon as it's available there and subscribe. I'll also leave us a nice five-star rating. Five is always the correct amount. <laughs> uh, and hey, if you want to follow us uh, on YouTube at Hot Bullet Jump, you can do that. I have to tell you, Jared, as an Australian... The even concept of the wild, wild west is quite foreign to me. Sure, I've seen movies, but it doesn't have that, like, magic that it seems to have to Americans. You never watched that Tom Selleck classic, Quigley Down Under? I have. Yes. But we, and we do sort of have towns that would be reminiscent of mm-hmm. the wild west in the country, but we don't have... Not, not the same kind of cowboys. And That's- I don't even know what actually counts as the wild west. Sure, Nevada and Arizona might be in there? Well, the Wild West changed as time passed. Uh, I mean, there was a time that anything west of the Mississippi River was considered the West. Uh, And then as time passed, the Western frontier But how about the Wild West? Well, it was only wild for a little while. And we'll get into that later on. (laughs) But that is, I mean, that's why you're here. We're going to talk about this kind of history. We're going to talk about the entertainment. And we're going to do this every week. This is a weekly show. It's very exciting. It is very exciting. I I think there's going to be a lot to go over. But we're going to start with our first uh, segment, as we always do, Mm -hmm. uh, with the shootout. And a question about just what your background is with Red Dead Redemption and why you're interested in the Western mythos. You're asking about the American West. Yeah. Um, So I played a little bit of Red Dead Revolver. Okay. And then I went on to play Gun. Mm. which I think you and I have spoken about before, mm-hmm. that I really, really, really liked Gun. It was the first game that I finished on Xbox 360, actually. Okay. Then played Red Dead Redemption, and obviously have not played 2 yet. But that is pretty much the extent of my experience with Western video games. Okay. And I've loved every single one of them. All three of them yeah. really, really mm-hmm. grabbed you. Mm-hmm. What was it about uh, Gun that jumped out at you? I can't, I can't tell you, because mm-hmm. I feel like that game's probably not that good. I think I definitely really liked... Riding between different towns that had totally different characters on horseback. I mm-hmm. enjoyed that a whole lot. Um, it also had like a time slowdown kind of dual mechanic that was a lot of fun. But I also really liked the looting in that game. It was a lot of like, oh, I need this much gold. Let's go find the gold. Had fun side quests. Yeah. Um, I liked the bad guy. There was a lot of stuff I liked about it, actually. But but I, I feel like I was so young that maybe I wasn't thinking that critically either. So when you made the hop from Gun to Red Dead, what mm. struck you uh, in, in the construction of that game? I mean, for sure, the, I want to say breadth of uh, Red Dead, mm-hmm. in that, obviously speaking about redemption, way bigger, way more dense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I weirdly had a very fun time. You know how there were like legendary horses? There were horses that you would try to track mm-hmm. down and capture? I enjoyed that a whole lot. Really? Yeah. Do you like horses? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I did more then. Like, not not like a giant horse fan, but it's like a thing that I, I found very exciting. And I don't really remember why. Um, but I actually played Red Dead a little bit after release, so I didn't play it straight away on mm-hmm. launch. And I think because of that, I didn't have the ending spoiled for me or anything like that, but I had more time with it because I didn't feel like I had to stay up to date. I was already playing right. it late. So yeah. I would have spent, I don't know, 100 plus hours in that world, I think. Yeah, so wow, so you really wandered oh, around. Oh, yeah. Now, you talked about hunting the horses. Uh, uh, I got hooked on poker. 
Oh, um, Liar's Dice? Huh? Oh, oh, were you a Liar's Dice yeah. player? Okay, I was I a learned how to player. play Liar's Dice because of Red Dead Redemption, oh. and then I started, like, teaching it to people at parties because I had learned it through <laughs> that game. I like the whole shoe throwing and all that stuff, yeah. too. So, yeah, tons of cool side quests. And, and but you side like the things. horse stuff. I love that. Yeah. I think, for me, the horse stuff and the other stuff like that give you a, uh, gave you an excuse to explore the world. By the way, if you've never played Red Dead and you're sitting here going, why are these people talking about this game? It is fantastic in its scope. It's fantastic even more maybe in its cinematic vision, and we'll get into that in this episode in future. But every week, uh, starting next week, I'll be playing through Red Dead from the beginning. Cool. I'm going to play back through Red Dead Redemption. And so a part of this section, as, as we talk with each guest, is going to be about the adventures for that week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week's adventure was uh, reinstalling. Oh, uh, yeah. So that, well, and we're moving up to that Xbox One now. So it's right. like a backward compatibility. Mm-hmm. So right now it's a it's sitting there at home simmering, waiting so to So you're going to play it on Xbox One. So I'm going to play it on Xbox One. Mm-hmm. I don't have a One X, uh, and I've seen beautiful, beautiful it shots look of really what good. it looks like. Does it? Mm. Have, you, have you seen it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, looks but pretty I, great. I don't have a One X, so I'm not going to be able to do it that way. But I, I'm not too worried about it. That's a pretty game in its own right. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. So you played it that way. 100 hours more underground. Honey, for what else? So. What else you do? I mean, I did lots of online stuff too, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't even remember that well now. I remember a lot of like trying to infiltrate a certain area with a group of friends and dying a lot. I feel like I found the online difficult, yeah. <laughs> but I definitely had a lot of fun with it. Um, you were brought up at the beginning of the show as an Australian, the, the concept of the American West. How were you introduced to it? And, and how did Red Dead influence the way you thought about that mythos? You know, I can't even tell you how I was introduced to it. It wouldn't yeah. have been the same as it is in America. I don't think we had any like popular Western TV shows. We instead had popular Australian country TV shows like Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. We Skippy had, the Bush Kangaroo? Yeah, look it up. It's a great show. Yeah. Okay. Black and white. It's about like a park ranger family who has a pet kangaroo named Skippy who like helps solve crimes, I so guess. So it's like Lassie with a kangaroo? Or yeah, is it kinda. like Detective Pikachu? No, it's more like Lassie. Okay. Yeah. But it was very good, very Australian. So we had that kind of stuff instead. Mm-hmm. I would guess that Westerns were kind of like woven into my life through an understanding of classic movies. So in my head... The, the concept of the West has almost always been fiction. It's never something ah. I was taught in school. It's never something that I inherently knew about. I didn't know what states it was tied to. I didn't know any of the realism behind it. It was always tied to being classic movies. And so always fictional and always fantastical, I think. Wonderful. And that kind of made Red Dead more exciting because it's so foreign. Was there a... So it felt like a foreign experience to you. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess as a, as a self-centered American, uh, <laughs> thinking about what that idiom means uh, where I grew up, and particularly since I grew up kind of when you were still at the tail end of broadcast television, mm-hmm. and a lot of my childhood was the childhood of the 50s and 60s and reruns. Uh, American TV used to be dominated by things like Gunsmoke or or, uh, mm-hmm. or Paladin or th- it old TV westerns rerunning because that's what the networks had in the afternoon. And so if you're a kid home on a Saturday, you might watch six hours of Old Republic pictures on TBS. And I did that. Mm-hmm. I grew up saturated in this mythos. And so it always felt very much like a part of growing up up within the United States to be exposed to that myth. Now, at the same time, I had a historical interest. I, I loved reading about history, particularly American and military history. I got very invo- interested in Native American lore after mm-hmm. a while, and that led me down the path first, I think, of discovering of how the Western myth and the Western reality Differ. were vastly different right, things. Right, right. Um, something that, that I think uh, we're probably going to I'm speculating here, but based on what I saw in that trailer today, we'll get to that in a second. Um, 
Based on what I saw in that trailer today, I think will probably be explored at least somewhat in this. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. I, I would. I, I'd be very surprised if it's yeah. not. So, what's the fantasy for you, Alana? I mean, is there an appeal to traveling through that world with a with a six gun on your hip and hmm. riding around finding horses in the desert? So or? I said this to you before, but um, Western movies and I'm sure TV shows don't really appeal to me at all hmm. uh, for whatever reason. I think, like, maybe I found them overdramatic. I didn't have the point of relation. I'm not really sure. When it comes to video games, I've enjoyed every single one I've played a lot, including um, Call of Juarez, Gunslinger. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I liked that a lot, too. I wonder if it's... Yeah, I wonder if it's the, the rewind in time that still feels fast-paced. The idea that you can go through as a gunslinger and you're using all the weapons, you're using revolvers, and you're having to, like, approach things differently to modern games, but it's not slow. A lot, a lot of stuff ah. is still happening all the time, and I wonder yeah. if that's what it is. I definitely like the setting as well, like the saloons and stuff. Is, it's, it's fun to explore those areas. Um, I think less fun to watch them on a screen for me for whatever reason. Okay, so you like the ability to go through them and be in control. You don't want to watch somebody else take that trip? I suppose. But there's, I mean, there's plenty of shows that I like. I like Westworld. But, that, ah. but, but I like that for the sci-fi. Yeah, we're going to talk so about Westworld <laughs> later on. Good. Okay, I keep saying later on. And it's not trying to... I'm not trying to... If you I don't so much to say. Up, well, there is a lot to say. And it's an inaugural episode. I, but I also want people to, to get a feel of where we're headed. Up ahead in the next segment, we're going to talk about that trailer that dropped today. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Uh, we're going to talk about Westworld. Uh, and we've got some other things to talk about as well with Luck of the Draw. So stick with us here on Red Dead Radio. We'll see you in a second. Back to the shootout. Holy crap, a Red Dead trailer. Yeah. Uh, now, that I, I just want your impressions right away because you've seen the first two. You played the first game. What would you see today? Uh, okay. First things first, I wanted to see gameplay and we didn't. And ah. so I am still holding out for gameplay. I want to know how it controls. I want to know what the UI looks like. I want to know how you jump from the world of Red Dead 2 into Red Dead Online. I want to see all of that, and I'm sad that we didn't. Mm-hmm. But, holy crap, it's pretty. <laughs> so the, the part, like, I can't think of another game where I've looked up at the sky and been able to see, you know, galaxies and stars. Mm-hmm. And in this, you can. And that was one of my favorite shots, is you can just see the stars above you because, obviously, the sky's not polluted. Right. Like, it wouldn't no be pollution, back then. no lights from cities to block Right. You. And I hadn't even thought about that. And I was like, man, the idea that I could look at the sky and see that is crazy. But I was also very impressed by there's one shot that's sort of like a zoom into a town that just looked so alive and mm-hmm. so bustling. And yeah. that excites me a lot, too. Just so much happening. Yeah. And on screen, all that motion. I mean, just technically, that's... Yeah. Video games are very pretty, but they're often very still. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't. Everything was alive. Everything. Yeah. There were so many moving parts happening. And it was all just so... Glorious! Mm-hmm. I, I loved that as well. Yeah, I want to go back to the galaxies for a second. Have you seen that in real life before? Alana? Yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah. So my extended family live on what's basically a farm. So whenever I go down there and there's no clouds in the sky, you just stare at the sky for like the longest amount of time. I did it just over Christmas and, and it's beautiful, but rarely seen in video games. Yeah. And so there we go. Standing outside and, and the, the fact that that much thought went into it. Somebody yeah. imagined said, what would the world look like? Yeah. yeah, I'd love to be able to ask someday just to be like, hey, did you guys go out? Did you go camping in the, in the middle of, of Utah or Nevada? I imagine so. Stars, you know, you know, they did all that with GTA 5. There was, I don't remember the amount of hours worth of footage they had captured to make sure they recreated everything. I, I, I imagine they would do the same thing here. Well, this is this is one of the really interesting parts for me. Westerns, Western film, Western writing, uh, but particularly Western film are important to me. And one of the things that's been very striking watching these trailers is how evocative they are of particular moods and themes from American Western films. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
one of the things I liked about what I saw today in the trailer and that I've liked about some of the earlier work as well is that every time there's a fade out and a fade in, the color palette changes radically. Hmm. Um, did you notice that? No. Like you'd look at one scene, you look at the town and it's kind of framed in blues and browns and it kind of looks almost like like shots from Shane. Yeah. And then it fades out and it fades out and suddenly the sun is rising and you're in a green pasture and it looks like you're on another planet. But you're not. Interesting. You're just in another part. The American West is so unthinkably big. Mm-hmm. And it just... And uh, Stephen Ives made a documentary called The West that I love. And one of the things I love about it, even though it's in the pre-HD era, the intro to every episode is a series of cuts where a helicopter's flying across different Western landscapes. But they're always different. Mm-hmm. It'll cut and you'll be over a mountain. And then you're over a meadow. And then you're over a swamp. And then you're over a desert. And the next episode, you're over a canyon. And you're over... But the colors for every shot change. I hadn't, I wouldn't have noticed that, and but that is very cool. Go back and watch it now, and it mm. feels like that sense of distance mm. that characterizes Westerns and the West. Because you always think of like John Wayne who's riding over some mesa, or, but if you watch most Westerns, and then you watch it, you know, you watch two Westerns back to back, generally speaking, unless they're both Republic pictures, they have vastly different color palettes, and the art direction was so thoughtful hmm. in this trailer. I really loved it. That's a very cool point. And I guess vastness is probably more of a identifying factor because certain things, when it comes to film especially, they try to film with certain colors in mind so that you're like, this is blue and white. Those are the colors we want to hone in on. They're doing this with Detroit Become Human. They have three, mm-hmm. they have ADP working with three different colors. So like okay. one character is green and yellow, another character is red and orange, and an, another character is white and blue. And that's, that's a thing that really often happens in films. I think it was very good in Blade Runner cool. where certain certain films usually as a whole are just like, these are the colors we want for this. Yeah. And, and I guess that makes you identify with them in a certain way. If you had to ask me what color Westerns were, I would have... I would have said probably sepia. Mm. I would have said yellowy. That kind of yellowy tint yeah. to them that you that you associate with like old timey film. Or... I think so. Okay. That's... Yeah. How many? What have you seen? I couldn't name anything. I've seen. I've definitely like I can pull images into my head of things mm-hmm. that I've seen, but I couldn't give you a name of a movie. Has anybody ever tried to sell you on the greats before? Don't think so. No. Because again, no one in Australia really does that, right? So there are there are six trillion bad westerns. <laughs> And there are a few dozen great ones. I'm sure I've probably seen the great ones. I know that the Westerns I have seen have been because I saw them with my dad. Ah. So he showed them to me when I was a kid, and I've mm-hmm. just never seen them since. Yeah, there's some there's some real beauty in the in the cinematography and some of the best mm. Westerns. Um, I mean, there's a reason, uh, you know, a grumpy old man that Clint Eastwood is, the dude can film. Like, yeah. Uh, the, the, he can capture landscapes like nobody I've ever seen, or, or rooms very often. He's very good at, he's really good in a closed room. Have you ever seen Unforgiven? Uh, no, I haven't. But I know he's very good at framing. Yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, much better than I am looking at the, the photo. <laughs> I think it's great. Here. <laughs> so back to the trailer for a second. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you didn't see a lot of gameplay. Mm-hmm. What are you hoping to see? I mean, if, if you had a magic pen and you could you could cast a spell and make the gameplay what you wanted it to be, what would it look like? It's hard to answer that. I more so want them to show me in which ways this game is different from Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. I want to know what I will be doing that is different. Um, I want to know what the side games are. You know, I played a lot of Lies Dice. You played a lot of poker. What are the opportunities for that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, do they expand on the concept of real estate like they did in GTA Five, And what does that look like in the West? Uh, how do you go about getting different weapons? What is, is that crafting? Like, is that a thing that exists? It's just, it's all these questions that are like, how did you expand on Red Dead 
one and how is this going to feel like a different experience from that while the setting is very similar and obviously Marston's there as well. Yeah, so, and that was actually a bit bit of a surprise yeah, I today. Did we you expect to see him? Well, no. I expected him to be in the game because, mm-hmm. you know, Dutch's gang, but right. I didn't I didn't expect them to reveal him before that. But I, I think that the idea that you see how he got his scars is a selling point. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's it's, cool. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I know you. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I, I mean, there's no secret that the Captain Marvel movie is, is on its way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really wondering if we're going to see Nick Fury lose that eye. Maybe. Uh, origin yeah. stories like that are, are appealing to people. Mm-hmm. We want to go back and, and hop and see those things. What, uh, what struck you most? What do you remember? Oh, the thing that struck me most was definitely the, the shot of the town, for sure. But, um... I guess I liked a lot of the dialogue, uh, which is like a lot of what that trailer was. We saw a lot of different scenery, kind of like you mentioned, and we definitely saw some wild horses running. So hopefully, I can do more of taming wild horses. <laughs> well, I love I love taming a good wild horse. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta get that. I love that it keeps going back to horses for you. It's just a lot of fun. Did you go get that big horse in Breath of the Wild? Oh uh, yes. Okay. You yeah. Got the so big it's old like horse. it's a, it's a consistent theme. If that I can, it's it's not the fact that it's a horse. It probably comes from my MMO days that I just want the most powerful of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that makes it's sense. It's not that it's a horse specifically. I was going to say, because when you just go grab you like Activision Stampede so you can chase cows all day on horseback. With the <laughs> not that one. fun. No, okay. it's got to be that I want the the mount that has like the highest stamina or the best speed or something like all that. Right. Yeah. What do you, what do you, if you had a horse, what would you name it? I, I looked after a horse as a kid and I don't remember its name. Really? Yeah. Which I'm now just kind of sad. What would I name a horse? Depends what it looks like. You can't just throw that question on an animal. Oh, that's tugboat. Tug did it. Threw it on. Really it. <laughs> good name right there. I yeah, that's true. You can't just. I, I asked Andy. Like, she's she's always like, give me a pony, and I'm like, you know, she doesn't really want a pony. Just, <laughs> and I was like, if I got you a pony, what would you name it? And without a beat, she just went. I would name it Glue. Oh, uh, so cruel. It's <laughs> oh. very funny. <laughs> it's cruel and terrible. Um, I think my dad used to make that joke when I was a kid and be like, I'll buy you a horse and I'll name it Gloopot. And he'd be like, no. So they've been really disciplined um, with leaking information out about this. Mm -hmm. Very, very controlled, very straightforward. Hey, here's a, here's a trailer. Okay. Let's take a while. Here's a trailer. Okay. None of them give away too much. They show things off. They're very, they're very calculated. I, I've been playing with the history in the background of this one. Western history is a hobby. And they really do go to a lot of trouble. Things like fashion mm. are ridiculously mm. context appropriate. Nobody's just making up, oh, I think this guy would have worn this. That It's ridiculous, the detail. Yeah. Um, people have spent a lot of time with old photographs and old newspapers. That's, that's obvious. I mean, I know when the first trailer came out, someone was like, oh, we only saw this person's leg, but they were wearing something like this, which only women wore, so we could have a female cowboy. That was me. In, yeah. well, that, that was, was you? Me that sounds like you. Yeah, that was me. It was like, yeah. that was, uh, they have a cowgirl in the and gang there she or something. Was. And, and there she was. Yeah. I was so happy to be yeah. You were right. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and we're back, and it's time for High Noon. I love segments. I, I want to have like a cool little like echoey effect. I would have said, it's High Noon. It's oh, pretty good. Thank you. I like that. Thanks. So this is, we talked about the cinematic influences around Red Dead Redemption. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every week we're going to explore film or television or another medium that engages the Western mythos that's chosen by our guest uh, or that's uh, familiar to our guest. You don't like Western movies, but you watch Westworld. Yeah, I like Westworld a lot. All right. So what's the difference? I mean, you and I once appeared on a video together about having sex with robots. Yes. Uh, That was a a topic that you brought up. I did. Yes. (laughs) 
fascinating discussion yeah, of, of uh, how that would work. Yeah. Find uh, that video on youtube.com slash charlonazad. And you should. Uh, <laughs> it's um, actually kind of a fun discussion. It but was. Yeah. It, that came out of Westworld, I think. Yes, right? it did. Uh, why Westworld? Why does this make a difference for you? <laughs> because it's sci-fi. I, I, I love the concept of AI and morality. Um, I don't know if you saw me tweet about this, but I sent Elon Musk a, a drunk message recently, and I've tried to get programmers to talk to me, and they won't, about the idea that self-driving cars could eventually decide morality. So, you know, there's like, oh, there's a doctor in this car and there's two children in this car. If there's going to be a collision and it's inevitable, but if one of us veers slightly left, there's a 100% chance for one and a 0% chance for the other or a 50-50 or a 60-40. Like, do cars get to decide that at one point? So and back to trolley problems, but, but with... Pretty with, much. Yeah, okay. But with like them, you know, having information on who people are, mm-hmm. I find that kind of concept fascinating. And that's what got me about Westworld is definitely the sci-fi element, but it's also so smartly woven into a Western that it just kind of works. Yes, it does. Yeah. It, it, it's when you first encounter it. I, I didn't expect to like it when it started. Hmm. I was like, because I love Westerns and I'd seen the old Yul Brenner movie and I was aware that it was a, you know, a Crichton story. But I looked at it and I was like, yes, I can't see anybody turning. And then, boy, they turned it into this brilliant ethical morality play. Right. And that's that, what I like about it for sure. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it's cute at the beginning because it is. On the surface, a show about a big, open-world Western video game, mm-hmm. which is what Red Dead Redemption is. Yeah, it absolutely is a video uh, game. You're right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a there's side quests. There's mm-hmm. a, you know there, there's AI. There's missions. There's rewards. But very quickly, it explores the implications of that kind of technology and that kind of social change. What. Uh, You've watched the last season. Have you started the second yet? No. Oh. Okay. Well, I'm in this weird conundrum where I don't know if I want to because I think the first season is one of the best seasons of television ever made and I can't see the second making it better. And I know I'm my mindset towards stuff like that is very different to most people's that I'm like, if this thing is perfect, I don't want more of it. Most people are like, this thing is perfect, I want it always. But mm. I'm like, I don't believe it can be as good. I believe we are similar in that regard. Huh. Uh, I also like things to end after they're wonderful. Right. Um, for more on that, why Fallout 4 should be the last <laughs> Fallout. Uh, no, sorry, stop <laughs> quoting myself. Here. This is getting cut. Um, you say Westworld is, is, you think, one of the best seasons of television ever. Yeah. And what is it? What's the strength? What's What gives it that magnitude? The, the, hmm. I don't know if it's the right word, but I want to say the pacing. But it's more the looping that we can't really talk to talk about, sorry, unless anyone hasn't seen it. But the, the way that it loops over on itself repeatedly is mm-hmm. what really, really hooked me on it. And I think that it's incredibly smartly written. It is. Uh, it does clever things and if mm-hmm. you've gone out there and read the spoilers and looked ahead they're gonna i'm going to uh i i'm not going to be particularly careful about season one spoilers okay i think it's been long enough so here's the warning friends you've been uh, warned you've been warned we're going to talk about season one of westworld uh and if you haven't watched that just skip on to the next segment because it's a fun segment <laughs> um now the looping yeah, just the way that the characters, there are two line, timelines, but of course Dolores doesn't age because she's a robot, effectively. There are two timelines with two separate characters, and you're watching someone change from effectively a naive but very good person into a monster. And just the, the re-watching that season is just, it's so brilliantly done. I really appreciate that kind of storytelling. It's the same reason that I like Neo Automata so much. It's the same reason that I like 
God of War so much mm-hmm. even like yeah. all, all of that stuff is just so smart and I, I don't think I could ever write anything that intricate really uh, mm. you don't think so no is, does it confound you that somebody's able to look at things from that nonlinear perspective totally. and, and layer them like yeah. that? Is that the recursive nature mm-hmm. of it? How does that differ from a time travel story that's more conventional? What, what, what do you think makes it so effective? I mean, how is Westworld more effective than something like Looper, for example? Definitely the way that it is placed. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's, it, that's a really hard question to answer. I don't think Looper is as impressive, though I do like Looper a lot also. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's... The fact that it's unexpected, which makes it a twist, mm-hmm. which is a very powerful and impactful twist, mm-hmm. and that it also like stretches out this period of time and shows you how much someone like Dolores has been through to get to her breaking point. If if it counts as that, it's even hard to say. Is that a breaking point? Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know. It's or was it pr- programmed? Did someone make her that way? Like we still don't entirely know. That's the assumption I think is that mm-hmm. she was kind of programmed that way, which means is she even a real human? It just leaves you with so many. Fascinating questions um, by virtue of being two stories that are effectively the same thing. Are you familiar with with the classical theological ideas behind things like Calvinism or Arminianism? Calvinism, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the predestination being kind of a cornerstone of that mm-hmm. versus the other, which is effectively what's called a free will idea. Mm-hmm. The idea that maybe not everything in creation is actually predetermined, uh, that people make decisions and then implications happen from that. It's two very, not diametrically opposed, but two vastly different perspectives on a theological reality presented by philosophers. Mm -hmm. Westworld, I think, touches, as most artificial intelligence stories do, on that same idea. Um, Yeah. These characters are constantly in a situation where they can't really know how free they are. Mm -hmm. And... I find that makes them more like us than less. We've obviously been asking the same questions about ourselves as long as we've been around. Sure. Well, now they're asking the same ones, which makes them yet more like us or us more like them. It's a strange kind of empathy. Well, it's Um, even the concept of being like, I asked myself this morning, this morning, I asked myself the question, why am I like this? And that's like, you know, a messed up thing to say to yourself, but humans have that, right? You'd be like, what made me do this thing that I don't like? Mm -hmm. And you think about that and you're like, was it, was I born this way? Is this a habit that I have created? And it it loops back on yourself. And I don't think it's that different from the concept of an AI being granted a personality and inheriting programming that makes them function a certain way because are we not just different kinds of programs? Yeah, I, I think that's the, the, the programming has become, it's a creation that came out of a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we, we learned how to wield math to make things happen. And we learned how to, to pump electricity through silicon so we could use the math quicker. Mm-hmm. And then we effectively modeled personality on the, meta, you know, a metaphoric personality on the basis of ourselves. Now we've looped it around. Now we talk about a program as us. Yeah. We used to talk about ourselves inhabiting programs, and now we're talking about programs defining us. Yeah. That's weird. It is. It's very weird. <laughs> um, to s- sidestep, uh, I went to Westworld in real life. I don't know if you saw that. I um, did. So that was at South by Southwest uh, earlier this year, and it was, it would have cost them surely a million dollars. Like it was just such a grand thing. 
Uh, there were so many actors and, and NPCs that you would walk up to who every hour or so would also reset so they wouldn't necessarily remember you, even though they were actors. Hmm. They were so good at it that they would, you know, ask you a question and then see you the next time and ask you the same question and sometimes say, you look kind of familiar. Or if you'd have your phone out, they'd say, it doesn't look like anything to me. Like, it was very, very cool, Oof. but also very unsettling in a way that was like, okay, when I think about Westworld, I think if I went to the actual park, there's no way in which I could even kill a robot. There's no way that I could do it. Mm -hmm. But then even going to this park where these people were actors, I was not treating them like people. I was treating them like NPCs. I was treating them as objects that would give me a quest that would help me in a quest that someone else had already assigned me. I wasn't treating them like people. And when I tried, they didn't let me, of course. They, like, really barred you from being able to do that. I asked someone if they were hot, and they were like, no, I'm perfectly comfortable. And you're like, you're clearly hot. We're in Austin. It's very warm outside right mm. now. But it was, it was kind of unsettling. I imagine it was. Is it going to make the experience of sitting down with a controller and looking into your television set and interacting? I mean, you're a professional video game critic, professional entertainer. Mm-hmm. You play games as a huge part of your living. Has it affected the way you engage with these much more simplistic digital worlds? No, but I've always had a lot of empathy when it comes to video games. Expound. Uh, I, in games like Far Cry, even if I have to kill things to craft, mm-hmm. I can't bring myself to do it unless it's aggressive towards me first. Ah, okay. So if there's something passive, yes, you can't go kill it to, to take what it has. Either no, or I would find it incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. That was find me. it challenging. That was me with the uh, the dragons in Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah, absolutely. I saw these beautiful creatures so far above me. I first I didn't know they existed when I first. Uh, the first time it. I saw one was magical. Yeah, which one was it? The uh, one that spits electricity. It's bottom left of the map. It's green mm. and yellow. Mm. I don't know what its name is, but um, that was the first one I saw. I mean, you don't have. To, I don't. I don't think you can kill them. Uh, they can be. They can be harvested. You can harvest scales from them. Don't isn't that just shooting an arrow at them and then having a scale fall off? Them? Yeah, but I, I which I could do. I couldn't bother. No, if they had told me to kill it, I would have had that. a lot of trouble with that. I feel the same way in Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. Like if I accidentally, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to kill a monster. Even some of them, it's hard to do. But if there's a monster that's passive that's nearby that I accidentally kill, I feel terrible. I so, know they're not real, obviously. But <laughs> but maybe it's hard. They could be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we know there aren't little people that live inside our television, except one day there will be, and that day may not be far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, well, we already treat people on reality TV shows like they aren't people. We treat them like they're characters, and they are people. And sure, it is behind a set, and everything is orchestrated. That even happens for things that we do. If you, you're on a show, or you're on a podcast, people start creating a character review that isn't necessarily real at all, and you live inside their computer. It's the yeah. same thing. We already do that with real people. Yes, and it's pretty crazy. So, what happens? I, I guess here's here's my question for you. Looking forward to a game that hasn't come out yet, mm-hmm. that is going to be, we, we're going to have some pretty groundbreaking. What one lesson from Westworld would you like to see brought into the next Red Dead game? It's so hard to compare them that I don't even know how to answer that. Mm-hmm. Well, they're very different things. And yet they're hmm. also very, uh, uh, you know, yes, they are vastly different products. And yet they're also both about kind of similar vast open world video games full of Western characters. Doing... To get very video gamey on you, I very much like the Westworld concept of the further out you go, the more brutal it gets and the more mm-hmm. hardcore it gets. Yeah. I like that. I think that's very video gamey. And I think even the idea of searching for something like a maze and having people just slightly talk Oof. about it and have it be difficult, 
I think is very cool. That's that's the most rock star thing. I mean, that is. stupid glyph at the top of Mount Chiliad. I my <laughs> brain. My brain there's like yeah. a, there's a few ghosts in GTA Five. There's so many things. And I love it. Yeah. I love all that stuff. But if you if you go to a certain spot with the right weather at the right time, you can see Bigfoot. Yeah. They, like they have stuff like things that. like that happen. Yeah. I love it. So yeah. I, that kind of mist, but the idea that there's something underlying it and they're good at that kind of mythology. Yeah. So, um, I like that a great deal too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, uh, that's our West world section for the day. That's high noon. Uh, <laughs> we'll be talking about a different Western theme movie or something, but up next, our final segment of the show. Stay tuned. Hi, welcome back. And this is going to be our random section of the show. Deliberately random. I don't know if you've heard this, Alana, but I ramble occasionally and go off topic. I know that about you. My yeah, we've been friends for a while, Jared. Kind of you thing. can't hide it. No, I can't. <laughs> nor do I want to. So I decided at the end of every episode, we're going to have a deliberate segment where okay. that happens. This is called Dealer's Choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've reached out to the Red Dead Radio audience and asked them for a random question. And I've selected Jesse's question, okay. Jesse on Twitter, who says, as a child, did you ever have a firm belief in something insane? Hmm. For example, I believed I could push walls over if wow. I tried hard enough. When That's you were a child, did you ever one. believe that you had the power or ability or believe something completely insane about the world? I'm sure I did, but that's a hard question to spring on someone. you got to give me some time to think about it. Okay, do you have well, one? Yeah, I do. I have okay. one, so I can hop into this. Um, for a period of like two years, I was convinced that I was an alien uh, when I was a child. The Where planet, did this come from? Uh, I don't know. Oh. The planet was called Simon for some reason. Okay. And I was an alien that had been brought there. Uh, to live on earth and grow up among human beings and my parents had been brainwashed and programmed by the aliens to raise me they were not actually my parents incredible uh, but they were led to believe so and that i was an alien among human beings and traveling among them to learn their customs and that one day the aliens were going to come get me take me back and have me uh teach them about what life on earth was like did that scare you oh no i liked it you liked it Okay. I like that very much. And it's weird because I would talk to people about this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, that's weird, kid. You know, I, it, was, it was very strange. And yet I very, very, very rarely had people just call me on it. We entertain delusions when they come from children. I and I think that's kind of nice. Yeah. yeah just it's let better it than just it. being shut out. Well, the thing is, to this day, you know, we were talking earlier about not knowing if we're a host or not. I don't know. I'm not an alien. Maybe that would explain a lot. That is true. Maybe I None am. of us know for sure. What if they show up one day? Uh, at some point in the next however many million years, surely that'll happen. I really hope so. The thing is, Earth is so alone in the universe. We're very far away yeah. from anything else. We Distance are crowded by an asteroid belt. We have, Our galaxy is very isolated. Yeah. But if the universe is near infinite... Other life forms are in the same situation who, in, in theory, millions of years advanced in technology versus us. And that may, may mean somebody just comes find us tomorrow. Right. Do you and think there's really any chance there's anybody on Titan or Io or anything like that? No. Okay. I mean, sure, a chance. But mm. I think it's highly unlikely. I think it's probably like 1%. Mathematically, it's, it's a really low. It's incredibly, statistically unlikely. But I have zero doubt that there are other life forms in the universe. Back to you. Childhood delusions. It's hard, again, I feel like this is probably something that I'm forgetting, but one thing that I only figured out about two weeks ago, um, not necessarily a childhood delusion, but still a thing that I was like, holy shit, am I allowed to swear? Uh, absolutely, Excellent. if you wish. Um, I realized I've never had lemonade. 
Whoa! Yes, this fucked me up pretty bad because my I, I always thought that... Do you have Sprite in the U.S.? We do. I thought Sprite was lemonade. Well, that's fascinating. So I always was of the impression, literally until two weeks ago, that Sprite was lemonade. And I'm... I understand that there are lemonade stands where people squeeze fresh lemonade, but for whatever reason, I never made the connection that that was not Sprite. Yeah, that it was not carbonated, that it sweetened it. So Didn't occur to me. Have you had lemonade since? No. No. I mean, it was only two weeks ago. Wow. Okay. Well, you don't have a lot. Still, I mean, you can actually make lemonade at home. Is it just lemons and sugar and water? It's lemons, sugar, and water. The The key to lemonade is proportion and temperature. Like I think I'll probably try to find somewhere in San Francisco that does fresh lemonade so I can have some. You really should. But even then, the difference between like good lemonade and great lemonade is like... Significant? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a Volkswagen versus mm. like a Tesla. Hmm. Like whereupon bad lemonade, there's nothing worse. Wow. You know, you, I didn't know any of this. I thought it was Sprite. <laughs> you're entering an exciting new world. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Other than that, my biggest thing was I was really convinced that Pokemon actually existed and they were keeping it a secret. That, I think, is probably maybe more delusional than the yeah, lemonade thing. But that was like, I think, more of a like fantasy that I wanted Pokemon to be real so bad Yeah, that I sort of just like willed it. I really hope that turns out to be true do you have do you do wish chips in the u.s uh, no i don't know what if a wish you, chip is. if you eat a bag of chips and one of them is curled over uh-huh. we would call that a wish chip and so if you ever find a curled over chip i think you're supposed to break it on your forehead or you have to shove the whole thing in your mouth and you make a wish when you get a wish chip so i definitely every time wished that i would find where they were keeping pokemon so i could have a pokemon your country rules I didn't know wish chips weren't a thing everywhere else. No, no, we just have wish bones, and you only we have get those wish bones too. But yeah, the idea that you crush a chip on your head to mm-hmm. alter reality. Yeah, I like this. Yeah, it's I'm good. in Australia. <laughs> show us how it's done. <laughs> Alana, thank you for that. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is it. This is our debut episode, and forgive the roughness around the edges. Uh, next week, extra special guest coming. I don't want to say more, but you'll see another episode probably next Sean Friday. That would be amazing. He's, just, John, he's not John real. John Marston would hear that would be he's extraordinary. Not, he's not real. But yeah, uh, so thank you for this. Now, if you want to send us mail, we're going to start the Pony Express this week as well. If cool. you want your mail right here on the show, you can send that to mail at reddeadradio.com. That's mail at reddeadradio.com. If you want to support the show, and I'd love that because this is what I do for a living, <laughs> uh, you can do that at uh, patreon.com slash Jared Petty. Or because this is part of the Hot Blip and a Jump Network, just go to hotblipjump.com. You can do that there. Either way, um, thank you for giving us a chance. I think you're going to like it. We will be on iTunes as soon as possible. Cool. Uh, and other podcast services. What that means is whenever they decide to flip the magic switch. Yeah. So we'll let you know when that happens. You can follow me on Twitter, Petty Comma Jared, and check that out. But uh, what about you, Miss Alana? I'm at Charalanazad, which is my name in the middle of Charizard, speaking of Pokemon, mm-hmm. on all of the social networks. Yeah, all the social networks. What are, you doing on, uh, what are you doing on YouTube right now? Oh, my YouTube's very sporadic. Yeah. Yeah, I really go all over the place on there. Yeah, but you, you, you've got some commitment going on there. I mean, you say sporadic, but you're doing those, those videos um, every couple I do of one a week. Yeah. yeah, I do one video a week, and then I've got a podcast that I started uh, earlier this year. The next episode of that will be up next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of stuff. It's hard for me to tell you what my YouTube channel is because it varies very dramatically. Most of the themes that I pick to talk about are about um, things that my Patreon has requested. So there's a lot of stuff on there. 
and I have a lot of fun with it. Rad. Yeah. Thank you for this. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Once again, this is Red Dead Radio. We hope that you will subscribe. Everybody always asks, but man, it makes a difference. And uh, yeah, if you want to rate us on iTunes, holy crap, that's helpful. I'll do that. Uh, make, oh, thank you. When Lana. it's up, that is. Yeah, please. Uh, five stars is always the appropriate rating. <laughs> um, anything less is not appropriate. Don't so. do that. Yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Bye-bye. Special thanks to Patreon producers Ed Calderon, Austin Riley, and Jonathan for making today's show possible. And also to Brian Altano for composing our theme song.